All right, so let's just have a little think around this. Uh, share a few things about it and do something else, then we're going to break bread. And, but we keep our focus. This is, this is this covenant God. This God who's made absolutely irrevocable, absolute, binding covenant with us and for us. And so that's not just a kind of dusty deed on a shelf that has living, real application. The application that we live in the benefit of right today. This, this Jesus <clears throat> that was born of something that he created, which is amazing in itself, he creates and then he submits himself to be born of that which he created. And it goes further, you remember, laid in a manger, his whole birth witnessed by animals, came as a babe and not a king. And remember that he went to the cross not as a lion but as a lamb. He could have called legions of angels at any moment of time to release him and set him free. Here's the key thing. It's in, and I, I've put all these scriptures in the nutshell. But no man took his life. He gave his life. It wasn't the force of what was against him. It was a choice that he made. He gave his life. And who did he do it for? Hmm? Who did he do it for? Yes, yes, yes. He did it for me. Kind of makes me somebody. Eternal God, God of all creation, doing it for me. Mm. Yes. Kind of makes me special I'm special you're not supposed to say that but I've got to tell you the truth I am very very special God loves me I don't care what you may like or think or assess almighty God has decided I'm special just me mm -mm. come on help me Going to have to minister it to someone. There's a lot of kind of dubious looking expressions. We're special, yes. You're somebody special. Come on, use the finger. See? I know you're not supposed to point, but here you're allowed. You're special. And actually, you as well. Come on, come on, let's have a bit, come on, let's have a bit of action. God
thinking that I'm worth something. Here is God thinking that you're worth something. I ain't moving on. Not moving on till we've kind of got hold of this one. Every lie, every demonic intervention that would dare to contradict that is exactly what it is. God Almighty, through Jesus, has declared and not just spoken, but has demonstrated by giving the life of his one and only Son that I, that you, are worth something to him. And anything, any experience in life, anything that was said to you, any relative, parent, friend, that brought something that has lodged a thought that is contrary to that. I'm not worth anything because who would be bothered about me? That does not come from God. I'm not worth anything. Nobody really wants to be my friend. That does not come from God. The truth is, you're worth something. You're worth the life, the one and only Son of God. Mm. And what does it really matter if the whole world thinks otherwise? Or everybody I know thinks every otherwise? That God himself has declared and has acted according to that declaration of his love and worth his love. Worth it. Not that I earned it, but he chose to give it. Wow. Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that he became sin for us. It was like, it was like a, an inoculation. It was like a, a, a vaccination so the devil's not able to get to us. This is, this is, this is an active covenant. This is something which is not just an idea, but it's in daily, momentary, living operation. He dealt with sin. Tells us in 1 Peter, he conquered sin. He was the ultimate victor. Of course, it didn't look a lot like that in the beginning. In Matthew 27... It says after they put him on the cross, it was like a, a spectacle. They sat down and watched him, sat down and looked at him. Looked, at, I guess, not particularly moved by the scene, kind of idly looking on. Seeing, but not seeing. Seeing somebody being crucified, some robbers and some crazy person. They never saw, they never had that realisation of what was actually happening as a pivotal point in the whole of history. But in the goodness of God, God has shown us something far more, just what was happening and just what took place. I'm sure there were those who talked about, yeah, I suppose he was a good man. Others said he was a prophet or a crank or a loser or a troublemaker. But the revelation... 
that God has seen fit to give those of us that have given our lives to him and submitted to his rule. The Bible says that if we turn to him, that veil is, is removed. That's all, that, that's all we can do. We can choose to believe. And the veil, the thing that stops us seeing, the things that stop them seeing when they were idly actually seeing the, the, the scene right in front of them, they couldn't really see it. But it's as we turn to him, the veil is removed. We come into that place of revelation as who he is and what he's done for us. He saw robbers on either side, one insulting him, another one crying for help, people passing by just hurling insults and priests mocking. He saw the women who had followed him keeping watch from afar and his disciples trying to hide in the crowd really. Soldiers gambling for his clothes, he saw John, the disciple that was beloved, saw his mother. We're talking reality here. He said to John, look after my mother. You know, he's basically, this is not some sort of unreal fairy tale. This is something actually happening. And yet, to understand the significance, the reality of it, we need the work of the Spirit of God that removes that veil. He saw people with great need. I believe he saw in the Spirit the generations that would follow, people like us 2,000 years later, who would need what he was doing. They would need the Saviour that could connect them into God. And some turned away and others responded to his love. He died for everyone. His frightened followers, those that were in sin, those that were rejecting, those that were suffering. And yeah, there were all sorts of reasons in the natural why he ended up there of Judas with his materialism and Pilate being cowardly and soldiers only doing their job and crowds carried along by what everyone else was doing and religious leaders protecting their tradition and their positions and holding on to their dogma and the disciples doing nothing out of fear. All of that was the kind of build-up. But behind that was the absolute reality of what he was really doing. And of course it came to that point when he declared those absolutely concluding words it is finished. It's done. He had accomplished what was required of him. That is a, that's a moment. Uh, it's a moment that caused, even in the natural, things to happen. You know, the veil in the temple was torn in two. And then, of course, as we already looked, we got to that point. where they came and in a kind of natural way to visit the grave or look at the tomb and as we read earlier on got this news he's not here because he's risen and because of that resurrection we have the opportunity 
had the privilege to actually not only know about our eternal salvation, but be able at such a time to enter into the presence of God, to know that sin does not and cannot have victory over us, that we cannot be made to sin because of the strength, the power, and the vital nature of this great victory. And then, of course, we move on to the outcome of that in Philippians chapter 2. Because of his willingness, his obedience, uh, even unto death, God gave him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, will bow. That's where God has placed him. And you see, where God has placed him, and when God says, every knee shall bow, kind of brings it back to a, a personal situation. Not about how good I've been, not about how religious or otherwise I've been, but have I, have I submitted, given over that rule, that authority in my life to Jesus? Because God has declared, God who designed beyond our comprehension, designed this great sacrifice as a result of his obedience, decided that Jesus would be Lord and requires that everyone accepts that. And that's the only question. It's the only question that rolls down through the ages and rolls on through to eternity. Have you submitted? And that moment we choose that, we turn and the veil is taken away and we see what he really did and who he really was and we choose to, to bow the knee, we choose to surrender over our life, the authority of our life instead of holding it ourselves to say I will submit to you is the moment when God brings to us, brings us into the place of all that he purchased for us in that sacrifice on Calvary, because he lives, hallelujah, because he lives, wow, isn't that great, isn't it good just to, just to revisit that, I really just enjoyed that, just in the last few days, just reading that stuff again, and you know, it's, it's, it's familiar, but to actually revisit that, is there a little kind of whoopee, or hallelujah, or high five or something yeah yeah something yeah yeah I mean, yeah, yeah I mean you know remember I'm just back from the Caribbean I've got I get a release when I go there you know yeah. because he lives amen because he lives we can have a team go to Zimbabwe where they are right now I know, I just, Margaret told me this morning, uh, Alan Fitch is going around praying for people and seeing them healed. Sounds like he's having a ball. <laughs> I don't know, anybody heard anything else? No? They're too busy getting on with the job. Yeah, too busy doing it, yeah. No doubt we will hear, yeah. And because he lives, we can go to St. Martin. 
and just spend days on the beach <laughs> in the sun, which Nathan will come and tell us about laying on the beach and just taking it easy. So I was going really to support Dad. <clears throat> um, I thought I was going to carry his bags and catch up on emails and such. But when Jamie had finished doing the planning schedule, I was teaching nine of the however many sessions, and Dad was doing three. So I figured he didn't really need to come. I was doing all the work. <laughs> so he just sat around. Uh, he says he doesn't enjoy the sun, but he watches a lot of Fox News. So um, I don't watch Fox News. <laughs> No, That's I a am, lie right there. I, I am lying. <laughs> um, no, we balanced the sessions. That worked well. Um, I think um, so we were going to do the to repeat that New Wave Leaders Conference. And the way things work in the Caribbean is not quite so precise. So um, it wasn't exactly new leaders that were there. Um, but we, we worked hard. Uh, the three churches um, that we connected with came together brought people together. It was really interesting, particularly to see enormous people, and they really stood out. I don't think it's just because I had to huddle together because they were speaking the same language in terms of the Spanish, but there was really a, a, a connection, a, a depth of relationship amongst them, which was really exciting to see. And to hear how particularly um, Hilton's been able to support Norma over the last little struggles with her daughter being unwell, that's really exciting. Um, so we did the teaching, we made it interactive uh, uh, as we could, and that was quite a shock to people to have to respond during a, a meeting context. It took them quite a while to get used to that, um, but they really liked that. They liked bringing the practical applications, the exposing stories that we shared. Um, they really seemed to enjoy that. And it was ju good just seeing there's some people there that now... Well, well, I suppose the most impactful thing was how honouring um, Norma, Mano and Hilton and Hilton's wife were of Dad. Next year, Dad would have been going to St. Martin for 30 years. Um, so it's a milestone that they are um, looking forward to celebrating. And you really see the impact of that. Um, and they really testify to the fact that someone that comes and asks, how are you, before they're really bothered in doing a meeting. And um, that's a huge breakthrough. To break through that concept that, that is about meetings and programs and events um, is massive to go and just be with people and, and extend care. So they're still working out how they represent that in themselves. And we see some people that um, we've been connecting with over the last 10 or 11 years or so really having a clear revelation of that in terms of how they want to live that out in their own life. And so that would be exciting to see how that starts to, to, shape, to, to shape up. On the Sunday, um, the three churches all came together. So Mano, who many of you wouldn't have met. Has he ever been here, Dad? Yeah, okay. Um, has quite a big building, which isn't yet finished. But it's finished enough, it looked all right to me, to meet in. So all the three churches were able to meet there, and they met around round tables um, so they had a, a meal together after the um, service. Um, but that was really good to bring them together again, demonstrating a sense of unity that would be different within that, um, 
that context. Um, so yeah, that was that was good again. Well received. Very honoured. Nathan. I'm trying to think stories. I'm trying to do a dawn. We got to that meeting absolutely soaked. Because it, was, it was like we came out of where we were staying to get in the car. And just, it was sort of raining a bit, but before we got in the car, it was like, like buckets of water were thrown on us. And uh, so we got there and people greeted us and they sort of hugged you and then said, oh, you're all wet. You know? <laughs> uh, and there was earth tremor. Yeah. Oh, I thought this is... Bed was shaking one morning, and I thought, hmm, sounds seems a bit strange. Yes. Um, just one thing to add to what uh, Nathan was saying. The, I often feel that the times of personal interaction uh, can be perhaps even the most significant, and we had a number of those times which we must never never underrate the very, very significant times of sharing the word of God, the mind of God in, in situations like that. And I'm very intrigued uh, to see what happens. It's, I felt to uh, charge one of the uh, young guys, one of their family, with just letting God show himself. And uh, he sought me out after that meeting on the Sunday and he said, you know what you said, what you prayed? He said, just an amazing thing happened. And he began to tell me a story. And he, it was about playing some game where, it's, I don't understand the game, but it was, to me it was a bit like snakes and ladders, you know. And he said, I was playing with friends and every time I moved forward, I got knocked back. And they all finished the game, and I was still at the beginning. I said, do you think God's speaking to you about losing out in life? And he said, yes. I said, well, then you know where to go and what to do. God is God. Is God. God will do whatever. We don't have to kind of represent him like salespeople. He's well able to represent himself as we give him room and uh, allow him to do what he wants to do. So, um, in a bit, we're going to come to a time of um, breaking bread, but I just want to, probably before we do that, um, I'd like to do another song, When I Survey. Yeah? Don't worry about, oh, Richard's there, he can do his thing, and uh, yeah, yeah. You never know what I'm going to do, do you, James? Oh, oh. You're just sitting back enjoying yourself there, weren't you? <laughs> Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my all. Does, doesn't it? Hmm? does demand all. No place for a kind of half-hearted, half-baked, 
response to what we're talking about, to what we're remembering, to what we're focusing on. It has to be a, a total and complete. There is no position, no acceptable position that allows a kind of semi-response or semi-commitment. And I'm just saying that now in case you need to review your position, your commitment. Demands my life, my love, my all. Because we're talking about what Christ has done and what God did through him. Total commitment, total response. Did anybody not yet get a chance to say what you wanted to say because he lives? Anybody not had a chance? No? No good complaining to me afterwards? I should be deaf. All right. Okay. I think for many years we've we've kind of we've understood that there's something very significant in our times of sharing the bread and wine together breaking bread and I I don't think this morning is the time to go through a teaching on that again but I want to just pull out a few points because it is something that's very significant but we struggle to capture that uh, in the ways which are real and meaningful. For many of us, part of our struggle, not for all of you, but for many of us, is um, our, our background somehow had that, that very significant thing of breaking bread in a kind of religious... It was a kind of... I don't know, it was a religious service. Or it, it was even, even made slightly mystical. Uh, I know when I was, uh, in my background when I was growing up, the, the bread and, and wine was kind of covered with a, a cloth as though you weren't even allowed to look at it. And then, the, and it was just like weird. And, and then the minister would put on a very solemn voice and... Uh, kind of give a warning you know and if anybody eats the bread or wine unworthily and when I look at that sometimes I'd even say and if you've never submitted to Jesus you must not take the bread and wine but I thought when you really look at it it's completely missing the point the point is about being in relationship, proper relationship, in the body of Christ. Not having people you hold things against or someone you don't speak to. It's about rightly discerning the body, which is the people of God, into which you've been joined, that particular expression. It's about how we are with one another. goes on to explain that, about some being greedy and some getting drunk and some grabbing before the others and just a complete and sometimes you know we can kind of kick things upstairs we can kind of put it at a higher level so it doesn't really affect us but this affects us and the truth is if we truly look at the word of God 
it affects us. So it's not religious, it's not mystic. Um, sometimes the term was used for, for sacrament or sacrament. And uh, that's, by the way, just Latin for sacred ceremony. And it's certainly not um, transubstantiation. The, the bread does not become flesh and wine blood. I mean, that's just religious gobbledygook and nonsense. So, and if that's what you believe, well, you've got a chance to change because I'm telling you, you're wrong. So, um, sometimes the terms use emblems. Well, yeah, if it's a reminder, if it's a memorial kind of thing, yeah. Um, it's really, the truth is, it's, it is emblematic, but of something which is spiritual, not, not visible before our eyes. It's to help us to remember. Um, memorial, yeah. But it's getting us thinking on the right things, to get our mind on something that stimulates. Dave Simmons, when he was speaking last week, spoke of... Um, powerful action that transcends the symbolic I, I, I like the wording it's, it goes beyond just being symbols yeah? and it takes us into the reality of what it means to be part of the body of Christ, part of a different sort of life so I think it's better to focus on the fact that it's a sign and a seal it's a sign of the benefits of Christ's work. And of course, there's obligations for us in it. It's the benefits of what Christ has done, which we've been focusing on this morning. And it's a seal. As we respond in faith, there's a seal by invisible grace to each one individually. It's not the bread and wine in themselves. They're not the grace. It's what God is doing that we're remembering and recognizing in that. It's a very wonderful and significant opportunity. Now, in the scripture, um, there's all sorts of different contexts. Uh, and that's why we continue to be resistant to, to making this into some kind of religious ceremony. In the Bible, you can see it's there uh, in Acts 2. People shared meals, broke bread together from house to house. It was something that you would do. You have some people round for a meal. Uh, you would share that together in the context of a meal, remembering the Lord together as a church. In 1 Corinthians, they came together, they shared the meal together. That's what we've tried to do from time to time, share a, do it in the context of sharing a meal together. In Acts 20, it's a kind of, like a sort of regional conference where they, they break bread and then, of course, in Matthew 26, you've got the, the kind of, I don't know what we call it today, ministers fraternal or something. Um, but you've got some ministries coming together and sharing that together. But in the upper room, Jesus, Jesus inaugurated this. He started this directly out of the Passover meal. So it's very important that we see the context of the Passover meal, that we understand uh, that this was, this was 
about a deliverance. It was about a setting free. And, and of course, um, the whole assembly was together. And they killed the lambs, but they ate according to households. It wasn't trying to, to bring everyone into the one place in that respect. They were all together. And a household... See, I, I want us to understand it's not like a, um, a religious ceremony. It's something that's very meaningful... But it does, it's, it's not just a casual thing. And I think our struggle in trying to have things in a, in a realistic, biblical, meaningful way, we can kind of almost play it down to not having the, the significance or the structure that was there. In the Passover, um, there was a significance of, of households or families or community groups, whatever you would define household <clears throat> we tend to define de- define household by uh what is it two parents uh is it two kids and a half a dog or something like that is is it you know statistical you know that's just ridiculous but here are the key points <clears throat> it wasn't a nondescript thing there was headship and uh, I'm if you want this, I'm looking in Exodus 12. And there were people who belonged. Um, they were readily available. Um, not just natural family, because uh, they were going from home to home. And by the way, there was children present as well. So, But the context really, you see it in Matthew 26, is a covenant meal. It's a covenant with the people of God. Knitting together because of Jesus' blood and because of the fact that we have the same Father. Yes, it is the proclaiming of the triumph of Christ's death. See, there's a great danger that we just focus on the death. But I wanted that this morning we also recognize because he lives, focusing on the death was was one part, but the resurrection, without the resurrection, we'd all be completely lost. You know, it would be a failure. So it's not just the remembrance of his death, but it's the remembrance of him. If, that's, if we could get that point. So it's meaningful, it's not religious. It's instructed, and it's an expression of remembering him and the fact that because of him we're alive and because of him we're part of one another. And you've got the two things in Corinthians. The, the expression of being part of one loaf, the recognition that we're joined together through Christ and the recognition also that it was because of what he did, did his blood shed, the wine representing that, so that we can benefit and recognize what he did, not just of his death. Not just in memory, but remembering what he taught, what he was like, bringing it to recognition. When we come to break bread this morning, I want you to do that. I want you to share together and remember something about him, something that he did, maybe something that he did that you know from the scripture, or something that he's done for you, so that we actually express that. We're part of one another 
but we're celebrating the very fact of remembering who he is and what he's done. It's like calling to mind of the person himself, choosing to take that time of remembering not only of him, but what he wanted for us. So nothing special in the bread. Um, it's representative. See, it would be like, um, this is an expression I saw once, I think explained it well. Uh, let's, say, um, let's say my wife regularly calls me to see how I'm doing. And I, I get the phone and uh, I say, oh, it's my wife calling. Oh, let me, let me clean that phone and shine that phone up and, and uh, I'm so good she's calling me. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's got names on there. It would be, it would be ridiculous to be talking about, you know, she's a very good wife. And she calls me and there, look, her name's on the phone. And look, the phone's nice and shiny and polished. And we've been, like, doing that but not answering the phone. See, if we relegate the bread and wine to sort of just something like that, it's basically saying... It, it represents something, but it's not real and meaningful. So when Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body, as like saying, no, answer the phone. Come into the reality of the fact and the expression of it so that you can actually enjoy that. All right, so this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take time to, to share the bread and wine, and I'd like that we do it in the context of what we have just been reminding ourselves of the meaningful nature of what's happening. And then we'll come back um, with another, another song. So in the first instance, um, if people perhaps on the end of rows could come and take some bread and pass it down the row. If you're sitting on the end of a row, you could just come and take it and, and pass it down the rows. <clears throat> Don't actually eat the bread yet. Just hold it for a moment. Now, as we come to this time now, we're just going to take the bread together. I want you to just join with me in thanking God that he's not put us in isolation, that he's brought us to be part of his body. Let's just thank God together. Lord, that... Uh, because of your sacrifice and because of your victory because you've not only brought us into relationship with you direct but you've brought us into your body into a relationship one with another and so Lord as we just take this bread we remember you and the fact that you provided for us in the here and now as well as in the future and we give you our thanks Amen. Let's take the bread together. Now we're going to pass out the wine. Um, <clears throat> but as you, as you come to the point, you don't need to wait till you've actually got the wine because that take a little time to pass out. What I want you to do 
is turn to somebody. You can be the person sitting next to you. Or if you'd like to go to somebody else, you can feel free to do so. And do what I said. Actually take opportunity. Now, if you're visiting and, and this, is, this is strange to you, don't, don't feel obliged. You can just sit it out. You know, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable if this is something that you really can't feel that you want to join in. But for the rest of you, to actually take opportunity, you're remembering either something that kind of comes to you and you think, wow, this is what my God did. Or something, this is like from the scripture, or something that you're remembering that you're just going to take opportunity to share because he shed his blood, because he gave himself, because he now lives. You know, I want this just to remember one thing. You've only got a chance for a very short sentence, but just to share with somebody so that everybody takes opportunity to say, I am remembering this thing about our Lord. I'm remembering this thing about Jesus. Again, either something that you pull up from what you know in the scripture, some story, some event, or something from your own life. Can you do that? Okay. If you'd like to make a start on doing that, if we can just distribute that again, pass it so it can go down the rows. Here's a song which... Uh, I wanted us to just use to, to celebrate, and I know that not everybody knows it, but I know that Dawn knows it, so she's going to sing it with me, or maybe not. If you know it, join in, and then James will be coming. That's a warning, you'll be coming. <laughs>